special cool room it's episode 105 tonight the numbers just keep on getting bigger and bigger and we're joined by a huge number of people here in the zoom room i think we might be heading for a record not in the least bit surprising when you know that we tonight are having a online zoom room meet the brewers with van stefan live from germany it's a huge honor for us here in Melbourne, Australia, to have these guys on the show. Last year when they were on, it was an awesome night, and I've no doubt that this week uh, is going to be just as good again. Uh, if you haven't already grabbed yourself a tasting pack from our Shopify, uh, please look up the Cool Room podcast Shopify, and there should be some Weinstein there for a little while to come, because I wanted to make sure we weren't going to run out of supplies. So jump on there and grab some of that. Be part of the rest of the Oktoberfest week in the cool room and make sure that you like our Instagram and Facebook pages so that you can stay up to date with all of the other fun and hijinks that we have coming up in future weeks and months. I could go on about all of those events, but I'm not going to. I'm going to introduce my good friend, Herr Travis Bristos. That's about as much German as I know, mate. How are you tonight? Hello, David. I am well. I am well. We are about to kick things off with uh, the guys in Germany. Um, I feel like this one is going to go for a while and I'll end up having to edit into two episodes rather than one episode. It's got um, those feels, doesn't it? It does. It most certainly has uh, has one of those feels. And you can, um, you, can, you can tell when that's in the offing when Warren Wu has already joined us. That's a sure sign. Yes, as well as the uh, the many others in the Zoom room. It's, uh, it's awesome to see all the faces. Um, we are going to kick things off. Uh, with the guys from Vine Stefan and uh, get drinking some beer. We have Matthias and Marcus from Vine Stefan on the podcast this evening. Um, <laughs> We are sitting at a nice little 76 people in the Zoom room, which I think if David gives me a nod, might be getting close to our our best numbers. I reckon. Make sure uh, for all the people in the Zoom room, you go out and uh, invite all your mates on your social medias, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on your MySpace, uh, which seems to be the, the platform of choice at the moment. We want to crack the 100 mark tonight, so... Um, Let's, let's see if we can do that. Matthias, Marcus, welcome back to the call room, guys. It's been 12 months um, since you were on. Melbourne is still in a lockdown, um, so not much has changed from our end. How are you guys? Hey, how are you doing? Very well, very well. Um, last year, Matthias, it was just you on the podcast. Um, this year, we've got Marcus floating around somewhere in the background, <laughs> Um, we will ask some questions uh, later in the evening. Um, most people have already cracked open the pills. So 
let's we we got a bunch of people in the room tonight that weren't here here last year. We got a bunch of knowledgeable beer drinkers and and a few that uh, probably are somewhat new to craft beer and beer in general. Um, let's start off. Can you? We've just seen the video, um, but for the podcast listeners out there, can you give us a bit of a uh, bit of a picture as you pour your beer there? Um, paint us a picture of what it looks like over there, the glorious fields and everything. Um, well, uh, the, when it comes to the hops, it's for us very important to, to, to act as locally as possible. That is, um, has two reasons. First reason is of course the quality. So uh, we can check better on the quality when the hops are still on the field and uh, are still growing. And the second one is um, it's pretty easy for us though, because um, the world's biggest hop growing region, the Halatau, is just starting five kilometers north of us. Actually, the, the hop fields and the hop farmer you have seen in the video is actually one of our hop uh, uh, farmers and hop growers that are uh, growing the, the hops directly for us and we are buying them directly from, from him. And um, so this is for us a very good opportunity being so close to this very special region because one third of the worldwide hop uh, uh, production or one third of all hops that are used worldwide in every beer is grown here in Germany in the Hallertau. And so uh, this region has a big impact, not just on our beers, also on the beers uh, uh, internationally or on any brand. And for us, it's a very good situation just to go out there when it's harvest or also uh, while the hops are growing and check on the quality and then maybe get in contact with our farmer and then decide which uh, uh, field of which variety we are choosing for the production in our brewery. Matthias, I might... <clears throat> Sorry, I might just quickly jump in with a question regarding the hops. What what are some of the things? I know it's a very broad question. Uh, what are some of the things that that uh, you look for when it comes to to selecting hops, and and what are some of the quality markers that you look for when you're we're selecting hops? Well, of course, um, it depends on uh, which hop we're using for uh, which uh, beer variety. So we're using some kind of different varieties for our lager beers than for our uh, wheat beers. And also when it comes to wheat beers, the, the hop flavor is basically very, very low in there. So wheat beers, uh, which are 75% of our beer production, actually are um, very low on hops and not very intense in hop bitterness and hop flavor. So here on that hops, we are selecting mostly um, the kind of bitterness that brings us in. And of course, the um, iso-alpha acids content of the hops. So um, how is, high is the, the alpha acid content that brings the bitterness into the beer is at those varieties. That's one of the most uh, important parameters for us. When it comes to the lager beers and especially beers like our Pilsner we have here, uh, there it's definitely also the flavor of the hops a big issue. And uh, what we are using is that we are using only uh, Hallertau and German or Bavarian classic varieties and breeds. So we want to have a very classic flowerly and herbal flavor in our beers. That's typical Bavarian and that's typically for, for Bavarian beers and not like this super tropical uh, flavored beers like maybe in the US or also Australian craft beer, beers are in that. And um, that's why we're using varieties like Hallertau Mittelfrüh or Hallertau Tradition that are having this, I would say, classic German flavor when it comes to a mix of more 
flowery and herbal aromas. And when it comes to dead tops, we are definitely going out there and they were checking the oil content, like uh, how intense is um, the flavor with the oil, because all those um, flowery or herbal flavors that the hops brings with us is part of the oil content of the hop cones. And so we're checking also here, how high is the oil content on the different varieties. And there we also adjust then our recipes every year, um, how much hops we're using to gain our uh, uh, profile of, or our beer profile uh, for the beers. Nice. That's, uh, that's, I think, one of the best explanations we've had to a question like that in the cool room ever. <laughs> that's great. We're, we're starting with the pills now. There's been a lot of chatter in the in the Zoom room chat already about how good this beer is. Uh, why did you decide to start with the pills tonight? And, and what made you decide the order of what we're drinking this evening? Um, yeah, the thing is, um, Pilsner start is, uh, that's why, uh, well, especially for me, <laughs> I don't know how is it with you guys, um, but, um, you know, when you're having like the first beer in the tasting, then um, the lighter the beer is, the better it is to put it in the front. Um, and we, and and we so, must also say that it's 9.30 in the morning where Matthias is at the yeah, moment. Yeah, so actually so this was my, good my choice. first sip of the beer. And um, when it comes to the scientific analysis of tasting beer, or actually of sensory analysis in general, when it comes to foods, um, they say the best perception uh, uh, a beer tester or a beverage tester has between 10 uh, in the morning and, and 12. And uh, so like when you go to the university here in Wine, Stefan, the, the weekly and daily um, analysis uh, tests in the sensory labor laboratory are always between 10 and 12. Because there you have the most sensitive tongue and the most sensitive perception of your um, uh, receptors in your mouth and your tongue and in your nose. And it is a wonderful piece of news. I'm going to use that information so often <laughs> yep. for the rest of my life. <laughs> and um, so um, this is uh, why, of course, now for me, the pills taste very intense. So when it comes to the, to the smell and when it also is when it comes to the bitterness, um, it's, um, it comes there very intensive, intensively. When you would have maybe a wheat beer first, or, or any other beer first, maybe this would be kind of too overwhelming for, for all your uh, perceptions uh, when it comes to the taste, then you would not get the full uh, perception of a pills. If we would have also the Helles in our tasting, we would have been started with the Helles because yep. it's the not so flavorful and not so bitter uh, kind of cousin of, of, the, um, of the pills. But in the selection we have here today, it's uh, the pills, I guess, uh, the, the ideal start uh, when it comes to a tasting for today. That's that's brilliant. And, and in I general, I would I would also in general um, um, advise when you do a tasting, it's always a, a compromise when you when you plan a tasting on comes to the beer styles. Um, but normally you would say from from pale to dark, from light to strong, yeah. and from less bitter to more bitter. But at some point, so what do you do then? You know, when you're having like today, we will having the Vitus in the end, which is the strongest beer and very strong in, in, in fermentative uh, fruit aromas, but we will have the dark lager first. So having a dark beer before a paler beer, like our uh, pale wheat bock, you know, it's always, you know, what should you do? So always you need to make a compromise. And, and at some point you never can make the perfect tasting uh, order. That's something I learned in the many years I'm doing this, uh, that you will never have a perfect order. It's a it's a bit of a bit of a juggling act. Um, yeah. we're we're going to talk through the components of each of the beers as as we get to them, but in relation to the the pills that everyone's drinking at the moment, can we can we perhaps talk about the grain in this beer and 
how important of that course. is and what flavors it contributes with? So our pills is um, a classic Bavarian pills. So pilsners do have different style interpretations. Um, there uh, you have the Bohemian pilsners, uh, we have Bavarian pilsners, you will have also German or North German style pilsners, American pilsners, international pilsners. So when it comes to pills, there are different interpretations. Uh, here in Germany, we have kind of two, two main interpretations when it comes to pills beers. Those are the German, or as we in Bavaria call it, the North German pilsners that are very low in hop flavor, but very intense in bitterness. So they seem to be very bitter and uh, very intense in that, but not so much in a flowery or, or blooming or, or herbal uh, flavor when you smell it. When it comes to Bavarian pilsners, they will not be that on the bitter side, but more on the flowery side. And um, so the Bavarian pilsner will have a slightly bigger malt body when you will say it like that, like a North German pilsner. They are very lean, they are very uh, uh, light. Um, the German or the Bavarian um, pilsners are a little bit bigger on the malt body. And also the Bavarians will have more flavor. And this is a more traditional uh, background because when the big pills breweries in North Germany became uh, famous and also very big, close to, to, the, to the sea, they could also export their beers. Um, they have another uh, flavor profile because they have the ability to get to other hops like uh, uh, UK hops or also hops that were growing in North Germany. And this were more, more varieties like uh, uh, that are very, very bitter. And so they brought in a very bitter pilsner. When it comes to the Bavarian pilsners to the close Hallertau region, we have here, the Bavarian brewers were always able to get uh, very flavorful uh, pilsners and so they uh, are flavorful hops. And so they made the pilsners more on the flavorful side than on the bitter side, because here we don't have that high alpha uh, varieties when it comes to, to, to the hops in the old days. And that's how this um, became a thing. Um, also, uh, the different interpretations of pills are um, that um, the intensity of the bitterness. So that there are different views on that when it comes to the intensity of the bitterness. Um, we have today international pilsners or beers that interpret themselves as a pilsner that have not even 20 bitter units anymore. And uh, then we have like North German pilsners that had 40 to 45 bitter units. So where, how much bitter has to be a pilsner? And when I started here in Wines different Brewing Sense, there was this common thing that you say, there can't be a pilsner below 30 IBUs. So it's not a law, a legal thing. It's more as a, as a, as a, I would say, cultural interpretation that the pills needs to have at least 30 bitter units. Um, this is now out to, to everyone uh, uh, how he likes or she likes uh, their pilsners. Uh, but on the other end, I think that uh, the 30 binary units or more is uh, a good uh, parameter because I would say um, if you not have a very, very lean and, and, and light body under 30 IBUs, you would not get that um, iconic bitter taste in the end of the drinking that would make a pills a pills. But that's just my opinion in that there are, of course, different opinions out there on that. When it comes to our beer, we only use light barley malt, so Pilsner malt. Uh, we do have three different hop varieties in our beer. We use the Hallertau Hercules, which is a bitter hop variety, which has a high alpha acid content. And um, 
Then the Halatau tradition and the Halatau Mittelfruit, two hop varieties that are very flowerful, especially the Halatau tradition is a more flowerly blooming uh, uh, hop flavor. And the Halatau Mittelfruit has more a herbal uh, uh, flavor. And so those both combined in the end of the boiling process will give you uh, a very nice typical uh, hop flavor when it comes to uh, a Bavarian style pilsen. May I ask a question before you move away from that slide, which is, uh, well, either way, the, the glass that you showed there, yes. and there's very different glasses uh, for the different beers that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, why, I, I've, I've only got one or two glasses I'm going to use tonight, so that's what I'm using for the first couple. But again, for newer people uh, to craft beers and, you know, enjoying beers like this, why have different kinds of glassware? Why would you choose to drink one beer out of a glass rather than a different glass? Um, yeah, the, the thing about glasses is that uh, the background of different glass and designs or how they look like is, I would say, mostly a cultural traditional uh, thing. On the underside, on the other side also uh, has uh, an interesting background. When it comes to a Pilsner glass, we always uh, recommend having a, a very thin glass wall so that the, the, the glass is very thin and also here in the end or the top of the glass the top ring of the glass should be very thin because how um, and also a very narrow opening of the glass why because how thin the glass wall and, and the opening is that is um, uh, that is the background how when you drink the glass in which speed and in which uh, angle the beer flows into your mouth and also uh, hits your tongue. And that especially the speed makes a lot of it how you will percept the beer and how you will taste it. When you have now for an example, uh, one liter uh, uh, stein for, for, for a fest beer or a Helles, there you have a, diff a different angle that you can put up because the opening of the glass is much wider. So you can it be much steeper when you drink it because when you go to beer tents, you will see that a lot of the people are doing this. And so it's a much higher speed and the beer like is getting like a, a thunderstorm into your mouth. And then there's a, um, a lot of moving. The beer is very fast in speed. And so the CO2 is, is getting out of the beer fast and you have another perception. If you would sip it in a, a very delicate fine glass like this with a narrow opening and then you're just doing this sip. Um, I hope I could roll. explain it uh, uh, very uh, good in now for English. I'm better when it's in German. No, I, um, I think it's I think it's very good, and it's, it's the difference between say a rolled glass at the top or an unrolled glass. So you can yeah. sort of see my one often yeah. cheaper. So the thinner the glass is, so the the finer or the more perception you will have um, on very delicate flavors like hop flavors, and the thicker like here or the the wider like here, um, the more it's like a volume drinking, and so the 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 less you will I, I would say uh, percept. We do have here uh, from a German a glass manufacturer the so-called Tico glasses, yep. um, that are uh, designed beer glasses, and we also see here there's a, a special angle. This should also kind of um, uh, regulate how you um, how the, the beer flows into your mouth. Yeah. And so I always uh, say when you're having like don't when you don't have specific glasses like this, um, I always say use wine glasses. Um, white wine glasses, they are also a very thin glass wall. Um, uh, so they have also very fine and they can smell very good. 
the perception of the taste and also can sip it very properly. And uh, when it comes to dark beers or bock beers or something like, um, you have mentioned it before, some kind of barrel aged, strong porters or something like that, they're a Bordeaux wine glass with a white body um, that it has uh, where the, the flavor um, can, you know, be very strong in, in the inside and you can smell it then very intensely. That's what I recommend for darker or stronger beers. That's amazing. I feel like when we do our, our beer versus science episode at some point and talk about all this glassware, we're going to have to get you back on, Matthias, because that was probably the best uh, description of glassware we've, uh, we've ever had. That was, that was really cool. Thank you very um, much. But I'm actually not, not really an expert in this. I also learned it from, from another guy who is more into that. And it makes absolutely sense, you know, uh, yeah. the, the, the speed and the angle, how the, uh, and how, how, how fast the beer is like, you know, the, the expanding of the CO2 in your mouth is more or less intensely. And this expanding of the CO2 bubbles in, in your mouth, this is also a big impact on how intensively you will uh, re um, recognize the flavors. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, that, that's a good segue into, into our probably what will be our last question on the pills now in the room tonight uh we've got probably a well, we, we know we've got quite a few home brewers and over the last year we've heard that that pilsners and lagers are, are the things that they're sort of making at home a, a fair bit uh in their home brewing and they like to share them around and stuff where where do you sit on this why do you think those these styles you know pills and, and lagers have such that special place in a brewer's heart um, I guess um, this is something when you when you're making beer or when you when you're um, a brewer, a brewmaster, a brewing engineer. I guess the lager, like a Bavarian Helles or the Pilsner, are the two, those two styles that are like the how to say it. Um, I like the number one styles in every brewery when it comes to when one brewer is judging the other brewer. You know, when I go to another brewery, I let uh, go to brewmaster, I talk to them and say, let me taste first your Helles or Pilsner. Because in that style, I always see how really good a brewery is because a Helles or a Pilsner does not uh, forgive any mistakes when you brew it. So like any fermentation mistakes with diacetyl or DMS, um, any, any fermentation in packaging, like a two... Uh, uh, um, intensively uh, oxidation impact when you're filling like the beer, you know, and the aging of a Helles or a Pilsner is a very delicate uh, uh, issue and you will immediately taste when the beer is like too old, you know? Yeah. And um, so this beer is so less under, uh, you know, on, on, on intense flavors that you will in immediately would recognize if the brewer has something done wrong or is not balanced enough. Also balance the hops and the malt and the alcohol. It's such a delicate and fine, you know, it's, it's something where you have to be really like a, a superstar chef where I have been very, very, you know, um, carefully to, to make this balance uh, uh, even. And this is, you know, when I go to another brewery or also our brewmaster says it all the time, first drink the Helles or the Pilsner and then you know what they're up to. And um, because you can so much you can do so much wrong when you make one of those and you immediately will taste it that this is like kind of the superstar category for every brewer. So um, this is also where they must do the most, you know, focus on when, when brewing it. And also when it comes to the quality management, you know, with an IPA, 
Matthias, it's a little bit like going into a German restaurant and uh, when you order a Wiener Schnitzel and this is good, uh, then you can uh, expect, expect that uh, the rest of the menu, even the more fancy stuff is good as well. Uh, doing yes. the basics right, doing the, 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 the basics really good, then you can do everything. It seems like a basic style, but it actually isn't because it's so hard to make, you know, right. and with a, a dry hop beer or an IPA or a dark beer or a bock, you can always hide something when you're, when you're not imbalanced, you know, dry hop it a little bit more or add more hops or make it more fruity or make it more strong. You can hide unbalances or, or some mistakes. And um, this is something I also... Um, uh, had here in Germany once uh, where uh, <clears throat> on a craft beer festival, uh, a young craft beer brewing uh, a crew, you know, put their, their uh, a beer and uh, it has, uh, it was a lager and it has some diacetyl as a, it was a little bit, it was, it was very strongly. And the people were like, yeah, yeah, it does not fit so well. And then a friend of mine, I, I went with him, he's also a brewer here from Weinstefan. And uh, he said, then said to, to the dude, hey, when you, when you want to sell it and pack it in, in a bottle, uh, name it Bohemian Star Pilsner, then it works. <laughs> and seriously, one <laughs> month later on the market, they, they, they had it as Bohemian style lager. Um, and then, yeah, okay. <laughs> then it fits the style. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes um, also interpretation helps a little bit. Yeah? But this is why, why a Hilles or a Pils is, is such a um, hard to make beer, but also... Um, also is um, the, you know, when, when you come to a brewery, this is always what we do. This is our Helles, this is our Pils, this is our Fest beer, you know? It's some kind of where you're proud of when you're good in that. We are, we're, we're going to move on to the, the Fest beer in a second. That other voice we heard just before was um, our second guest for this evening, um, Marcus. Now's probably a good time for... Uh, to get a bit of an introduction on your role within the brewery, um, uh, give Matthias a bit of time to finish his now 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. beer, I guess. And, oh, uh, I, would, I thought maybe Matthias could introduce Marcus. That is a great yes. idea, David. And we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what the relationship is like yes. from there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just to put you on the spot <laughs> the first time in a year and a half i've heard you lost for words my friend <laughs> um well how to introduce uh, your boss in um uh, you know open open mic meeting like this and yeah. also when it gets recorded and uh, <laughs> it, it gets into the internet you know how to do that properly well i would say um marcus englet is uh one of the most enthusiastic guys when it comes to beer and for not being a brewer. Um, I haven't seen a non-brewer like him uh, being so enthusiastic about beer and also being so into the brand like Wein Stefan, like he did and or he is. And um, this is something what uh, makes a guy for me who works for him and who is also like, my job is actually to, to you know, go out there and talk about beer. And he's like always my first recipient. He's the guy I train my presentations with. And when I'm like, and Marcus is the guy who said, yeah, this is great. Do it like that way. Then I'm pretty sure this will work also with the audience because he's like that super enthusiastic guy about beer. And he's always so interested in what I'm doing that it's actually an, a privilege to work, not in a brewery like that, but that's rich history and the world's oldest brewery and one of the number one breweries in the world you would work for when you are a brewer. But also being in, in a team like that, 
with with a boss that is like that like pro what you're doing um, then um, that's a really great thing and when it comes to the Operative stuff. Well, Marcus is vice president of the brewery here in Wine Stefan. He is more than 22 years, something like that, in the brewery, and also the head of the export department ever since. And um, also, um, uh, the numbers um, showing very well. So, like two thirds of our whole volume we're producing are exported. So, Marcus and, and the team around him is responsible for uh, about 65% of the volume that is sold. In the brewery and this now in 53 countries i guess 54 50 something like that so the 14 yeah. countries in, in the movie are not actual anymore and uh so um this is uh what what he is doing and also the the how can i say this um the standing behind what, what we are doing not just as a brewery to sell for also for for the people uh uh, you're working with this is also a value that um, fits Marcus very well because you know having a brand ambassador which should sit in a plane or visit countries and markets um, all over the world and then you have a worldwide pandemic and no one can travel anymore um, having like me on the team then it's some kind of a champagne problem you know <laughs> but uh, Marcus always uh, finds it uh, a way that uh, I can be usable also in pandemic times like today and uh, so this is also a thing where I'm very grateful for. That well done. Marcus, how did he do? Perfect. I couldn't have done it better, really. <laughs> no, uh, I started to, uh, 22 years ago uh, at Wein Stefan. It was my first job in the, in the beer industry. And I thought, oh, that's a good uh, uh, platform where I can hop to another bigger brewery. And uh, after a certain time, I found out, well... I've already found what I was looking for. I mean, it's uh, such a great brewery. It's a great brand. It's, uh, it's not a corporate uh, company. It's uh, state-owned. So we are really free what to do. We have a really flat hierarchy as well. And uh, it's, uh, it's just a great job. And uh, I mean, uh, growing uh, organically in this 22 years, uh, in the beginning, I think we had six countries when I started. And then it was just organically growing without any, you know, expertises that you got for a country. Is this country good for our brand? It, we, we just were approached by, by people interested, like uh, uh, in Australia, uh, Leif Ryan from Phoenix Beers came to us in person and uh, said, you know, I don't have anything uh, in common with beer rather than I drink it, but I think it's a good idea to bring it to Australia. And we were really sympathetic, the two of us. And then we started the business. And this happened in so many countries. And this is, of course, now really also great to get people, enthusiastic specialists like Matthias on board to can, that we can afford to invest in this special area, what we are, Weinstefan. We are not having the big marketing bucks, but we... We invest in people, in human beings who are spreading the word like uh, like the apostles uh, with Jesus. I know I'm going too far now, but uh, uh, I think that's, <laughs> uh, but I think that's, uh, uh, that's the way where, what we do it and uh, where we want to stay as well. And thank you for having me in this really great group. Uh, I miss all Australians and uh, traveling to Australia. Good at, le at least to seeing some uh, on the screen. 
That's amazing. Um, and you're very much welcome. It's uh, it's great great to have you with us tonight as well. Someone in the Zoom room just asked if uh, if you could uh, give us all jobs and we can all fly to Germany and uh, and work for you guys. So we might uh, we might talk about that later on because most of us here want really want to get out of Melbourne at the moment. It's uh, still in lockdown, so tricky place to be. Um, on that now's a good time. I know we've spoken about the pills for a long time. Um. Most people have probably finished it already. I know I have. We're going to move on to the fest beer, and uh, Mr. Warren Wu is going to lead us on that one. I'm uh, I'm going to duck around the corner from where I'm sitting and get mine out of the fridge because for some reason I didn't do that before. Um, Warren, all right. Uh, we should uh, kick things off in the fest beer. Just keep in mind uh, for people in the Zoom room to, to keep getting your questions in. We we are noticing them and we will definitely get to them um, as the night goes on. And hopefully at the end of the night, we'll have a, a couple of slots open where you guys can unmute yourself and ask questions as well. Uh, Fespia, Warren, over to you. Yeah. Um, before we get on the Fespia, I'm, I'm really excited to get on the Fespia. But while we got Marcus there, um, there's been a couple of questions in the in the chat the, from from the audience, which I think um, you'd be really good at answering. The, the first one comes from David and is it is with all the changes to technology, trends, hops, uh, growing seasons, demand surges, etc. Uh, how do you maintain the, the flavor profile and the quality of 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 the beer batch to batch and year to year um i think that's a really good question concern and particularly the technology bit where where you know wine stefan's a, a kind of the the center of of german brewing technology um yeah if you could if you could enlighten us on that marcus that would be great i think i don't want to interfere into matthias's uh, uh, <laughs> uh main subject i think this is really something what matthias can answer better than i can because right, he's more the, the, the one in technology and that, uh yeah. that's a great idea mark so we'll 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 leave that one to him but a question that that is is kind of close to my heart and fergus asked this and it's mainly because i'm i'm a bit of a commie uh what does when you mention state owned what do you mean by state owned when it comes to to weinstefan so the Bavarian state is the owner of the Weinstefan Brewery. The, this is quite, I wouldn't say unique, but there are only three state-owned uh, breweries in Germany, which is Hofbräu Munich, which is also owned by the Bavarian state, by the Ministry of, um, of Finance. Uh, Weinstefan, uh, owned by the Bavarian state, but uh, under the command of the Ministry of Science and Culture, because with the connection with the university and the, the brewing school, that's more the science and cultural uh, um, uh, uh, prospect. And uh, then we have um, another brewery in Baden-Württemberg, uh, Stuttgart is the capital in the southwest of Germany. Uh, that's a roadhouse, which is also owned by the, um, uh, the state of uh, Baden-Württemberg. So these are three state-owned breweries, and this means we are not corporate, we are not for sale, because we are... Uh, the Bavarian state called us uh, the gem of their um, uh, of their state-owned entities. There are around sixty-three state-owned entities, from banks to uh, to different other entities, but uh, only two breweries in Bavaria. I, I might quickly cut in there, if I might, Warren. Yeah, um, of course. The Lord Mayor of Melbourne moved houses a couple of weeks ago, and my housewarming gift to her was one of our tasting packs tonight. 
and I've raised with her the prospect that the City of Melbourne might start to uh, acquire breweries in the City of Melbourne. So I want to flag that with our listeners first and foremost. Um, but one quick question while we've got you uh, on the line and before Warren asks his next question, which I can see he'd like to do. Uh, very quickly, when you consider a new country that you might uh, export to, how important is it to you that they will maintain the standards and serve the beer in the way that you'd like to see it served? Because we know in Australia, there's some quite stringent ways that your beer moves around so that it's not out of date. It's uh, always presented in the right way. Uh, I presume you just wouldn't let any importer in any country bring your beer in and start to sell it however they wanted. You know, you can uh, feel that right from the beginning when someone is approaching you and uh, how he's approaching you. If he comes and says, you know, we will sell uh, 100 containers in the first year, which is totally unreasonable, um, then you already know these people cannot represent your brand and your beer and your, uh, yeah, your product in the right way. Uh, and... Uh, this is always the, the first when people come and say, you know, we have that plan that we want to start small and then grow uh, uh, step by step by introducing it to the people, doing beer tastings, uh, of course, having the right facilities for storing it in the right place and dark and uh, cold, cool place, uh, then having it in the, in the sun by 40 degrees centigrade for, for an entire week. You can feel all this, but of course, it's very important to us. And with uh, Matthias on board, or uh, we have also now a person who is training the, the sales reps and the representatives of the, of the future importers uh, that we can uh, provide that. So it's very important for us, quality and, uh, of course, supply chain, that everything is done well. Okay, so I'm going to bring us back to the beer and i will ask i will ask Matthias the question about technology and and wine stefan later but but yeah um Matthias, with with the fest beer which is which is equally as delicious as the pilsner um so to to a lot of people they're very similar in styles uh and they're very similar styles of beer what what's the difference between uh, the fest beer the hellas lager and the and the pills. Now, what are some of the key differences which which we should be able to to taste and in the production? Um, well, uh, the they are all pale lagers actually. So um, this um, not wondering, but um, the the interpretation of them are pretty different. So the pilsner should be very lean in in the malt body, and uh, also very around about five percent ABP, so not too high in alcohol and should be more on the flowery smelly side so more like a, uh, like like flowers and, and and herbs or herbal notes and but then when you're drinking it there should be a, a recognizable bitterness on on the throat and when you're drinking the beer uh, when it comes to the hellas the body can be a little bit the malt body a little bit more pellate more grainy uh, but actually not a real bitterness, just a bitterness that is kind of balancing the sweetness of the malt body. And also the smell should be more like bread or, or grains or, or, or malt. And when it comes to the fest beer, you're having just a, a hellas on steroids. Yeah? Um, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, the, the, 
the, the, the bigger brother, you know, who is going to the gym every day. Yeah, it has more body, it has more malt flavors, it had more, more of the, the, the hoppiness, so more bitterness, but also with the same balance as a Hellas. So um, we interpreting uh, interpreting a fest beer like just a, a Hellas to celebrate. So you're having more of everything, but in the same balance with the original Hellas. And then just for, for having it very, very drinkable. In the old days, fest beers or Oktoberfest beers were more kind of a Märzen style beer. They were darker, they were with more caramel taste, they were um, also a little bit, bit more bitter and intenser and below 6% alcohol. But over the years, this changed a lot. So in the last 30, 40 years, those beers changed from, from like those kind of Oktoberfest Märzens, which are also still produced by some of the, the Munich Oktoberfest breweries, but in some cases only for the export, because in the beer tents, they are selling fest beers like we would produce them, because it's pretty easy. The taste of the people changed over the year, and also the brewers adapted. And so the people don't want that caramelic thick beers anymore in the beer tents, because you drink maybe two or three liters, and then you're like, yeah, it's a little bit too, too intense, too sweetie, too, too much. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Keeping the beers very high and fermented, um, kind of dry in the end, but still with 5.8 to 6.2% of alcohol, you can make them drink easier one or two liters more. And that's what's actually uh, a brewery wants to sell their beer. And um, so that's why in the beer tents, this kind of changed a little bit. And also our fest beer is also that kind of a stronger Helles. Everything's a little bit more in the upside uh, direction but um, still in a balance. Mm-hmm. And so we have a 5.8% fest beer with 25 IBUs and uh, with an original gravity of 13.3 degrees Plato. We have 5.8% ABV and we have also just Pilsner malt. So a lot of other breweries are still using maybe some Munich malt or Caravan malt. Mm-hmm. We are using just 100% Pilsner malt to, to make the beer very crisp, even it's stronger. And um, so this makes fun because you can go basically the whole day to the, to the beer tent, still having your beers yeah, and not getting like too overwhelmed and too overloaded at, at some point. And for that kind of occasion, for a loud and also sometimes very hot beer tent, this beer is produced because it must, be also, it must also be a thirst quencher. Mm-hmm. Because like the Freising Volksfest, uh, you're having a beer tent with six to 7,000 people there. You know, people are standing on the benches, dancing and having fun or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, a beer which is like too thick, too sweet, too malty or too bitter is not working on their thirst anymore. And this is also something you need to do, you know. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, so it's uh, from the demand a very, very difficult to produce beer. It should be something special for a seasoner, but it should be also something very drinkable. And um, so, yeah, I think we had uh, our job well done. Um, and also mm. every year it's very interesting, you know, cause it's, it's the first seasonal of the year, how it will be doing this year. And, and um, yeah, so uh, that's the thing. And a very big thing for, for Fespius is also a long cold maturation. Mm-hmm. So because getting a, a dry ending that it's still very drinkable with such a high gravity, you need to let the beer mature at zero degrees Celsius very long, at least six, better eight weeks. Wow. So that you're having that kind of crispy taste at that high alcohol and, and uh, gravity. 
Ross, in the uh, with Brew Masks, an interesting question that relates back to to the fact that this is a seasonal. How much do you produce every year? Like, how many liters? Oh, Marcus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. It's like it, it'd be interesting, but it's not the it's not world-ending question. Let's move on. Of the fast beer, I would say uh, fifteen thousand hectoliters max. Ooh. That yeah. means uh, 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 one million five hundred thousand liters. Whoa! Yeah, that's, that's that, a lot of beer. That's a big celebration. That's a good celebration. Um, speaking but of we're, we're, but we are exporting most of it. I have to say. <laughs> really. So that- there you go. So, so most of it is getting abroad. It'd it'd be pretty amazing if the Germans drank it all. That that would be. But <laughs> but you know, it's, it's probably not beyond them. Um. All right. So so we did touch on Oktoberfest, which which is is uh, an integral part of, of of our discussion and our evening. Um. So we learned last year that you guys are slightly removed from from the main festival in in Munich. Um, what, so describe what the, the city is like and what you guys do in particular during this time of year. <laughs> um, normally, we have the 7th October. I would be now maybe on a, on a, on a vacation because uh, the whole Oktoberfest season <laughs> really hitting us hard, um, especially when it comes to, to, to the whole season because um, the Freising Volksfest, so our traditional Volksfest here in, in the city of Freising where the Weinstephan Brewery is, starts on the first Friday of September and then lasts 10 days. And uh, for five days of this festival, we are pouring our Weinstefan Fest beer. Because here in Freising, there's another brewery and we are sharing um, all big city uh, uh, party events with those, uh, this brewery equally. Uh, it's actually a pretty good relationship we have here. So it's not kind of a hard competition. So when there's an official Volksfest or the, the, the Old Town Festival in August or whatever, so the beer sales and um, the beer uh, in the city is pretty much shared 50-50. And uh, that's actually something very special you won't find here in, in Bavaria very much. So uh, other towns like, like ours, which have a Volksfest and maybe have two breweries, would have two tents where every brewery is selling their own beer. But here in Freising, we just say, well, we have 10 days, five days the one, five days the other brewery, and everyone is good with it. And uh, this is something very cool and something very unique. And actually something we can all be very proud here in Freising about that mutual uh, great relationship we have here. Um, but um, on that five days, uh, Marcus, me, and our other colleagues of the expert team would uh, host a lot of guests from all over the world uh, in those five days and go with them, you know, maybe to the hop harvest, which is also in that time to one of our, the hop farms they're supplying us. We would go to the Volkswest, we would do drinking a lot of beer, eating a lot of, uh, of, of great uh, beer tent food. And then uh, after this, more likely, Marcus and me uh, are visiting international markets also doing then Volksfest or Oktoberfest in the United States or in other European countries. And uh, well, and then when September is gone and we have early October, Marcus and me are pretty, um, pretty much for, for, for a few vacation days and relaxing and not drinking beer at all. <laughs> but Matthias, I would say um, our fest beer season is really from beginning of September till Halloween. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because... because 
in in uh, yeah overseas destinations, you can say people are still celebrating the, the Oktoberfest the entire October. So it's really two months of party. So the last last year and this year were pretty calm. So we had to. Uh, uh, get over this with private Oktoberfests and all these <laughs> kind of things. Mm. But uh, I think, well, Matthias, we did quite well, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Um, so we, we, we were not bored, but we're still looking forward to go up there uh, next, next season. Um, did, so has there been, I mean, both these seasons have been down from what you knew, normally do. Has this season, have you felt like it's growing? Have you felt like there's a difference between this, this year and last year when we spoke to you? Uh, a little bit, uh, because Europe is, is, is more open. Um, there were small parties, small festivals, not the big ones like Volksfest, Oktoberfest, but um, smaller uh, occasions, more kind of outdoor Oktoberfests without tents. Um, so a little bit is more going on, um, but um, not like it should, used to be. And um, so we are uh, really looking forward to uh, next year, next season, um, because even I, I would never expect to say this, but um, I'm really missing that uh, smell of uh, uh, Style fat beer. food, sweating people, spilled <laughs> beer, loud uh, uh, people fall singing, and um, I'm really missing it. <laughs> but I think, Matthias, I think that, uh, to say the desire is definitely you can really grab it with your hands. Uh, that yes, the people yes. want to be back in Oktoberfest uh, and Oktoberfests and want to get that spirit again because as much as also we say oh my god now we get this two uh, months of uh, a lot of visitors uh, less sleep a lot of alcohol uh, when you're in in it uh, uh, you it's just wonderful and when it uh, when it's the end of october again you think oh my god it's already over <laughs> Do, do you guys see a time, you know, it's been two years now. Do you guys see a time when we roll around to October next year that it's back to as back to somewhat normal? What, yeah. what's, what's the vibe like? We, we are expecting it that way. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So Because you um, cannot do Oktoberfest uh, half speed. You have to do it full yeah. speed. I think otherwise yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like with, you know, Oktoberfest with social distancing uh, will not work. After the second liter, you know, nobody takes care of any, you know, social distancing, wearing a mask or whatever. So this does not work. Yeah? Yeah. And um, so we're, we all try to, to get um, rid of this and getting over COVID. And then let's have a great beer tent celebration next year. Awesome. Good way to think about it. I think it's a great way to think about it. Um, wheeling, let's wheel back around to, I think it was David's question from earlier regarding technology. Um, tell us about how technology is used in the brewery, given that it's, um, given that, that it is connected to the university. It's, it's a part of the, the state science, um, uh, department. Um, yeah, uh, let's, can, can you give us some insight into how you keep that consistency, um, through, throughout the changes and variations that have occurred, particularly over yeah. the last couple of years? Um, there, are, there are actually two points how to, to, to get that done. Um, but this is not just for us, this is basically for every brewery and every brewer faces that challenges. Two of the four raw materials you're using are changing every year. You have a different uh, uh, grain harvest, you have a different hop harvest. 
So maybe you're using the same varieties, especially in hops, but um, do the weather conditions, do the soil, or where do you get the hops from? Um, the, um, the oil content and the, the alpha acids can change. That also means that you need to adjust your hop addition in the brew house to get the same taste like you had the year before or the years before. The same is with the malt. You're getting uh, malt uh, from different malt houses like ours, all Bavarian. You're getting barley and wheat malts from different regions of Bavaria yeah, that are grown in different weather conditions, that are grown in different soil conditions. And so also the protein content and so on and so on of the, the, the parameters of the malt and the grains are changing also every year. That means you need to adapt your mash program, your boiling uh, uh, program in the brew house. And that just also means that you're not to adapt it every year. That can be mean that also you adapt it every few months. And that's why a raw material checkup is so important. Every day when we're getting a malt delivery or when we're getting once a year our hop delivery, which we put then in the cool house, we take all raw material samples and let it analyze at the laboratories of the university. There we get back the analysis. And so our quality manager, um, Sina, she is also a wine Stefan studied brew uh, engineer. Um, she's our quality management uh, uh, head. And uh, she is then you know, interpreting those parameters that we get and then talking with the brewmaster of how we maybe adapt the brewing process. Yeah. We have 300 different technology parameters in the brewing process. And Changing one of them can also change the beer, but also when you're having like changing parameters when it comes to the raw materials, you must also adapt your process that in the end you will get the same beer. And so we have a also, and that's the second point, philosophy. What is your philosophy? And uh, our philosophy is to, to produce highest quality. And um, that also sometimes means that we maybe need to buy uh, more expensive raw materials or use maybe more time and energy consuming uh, brewing methods like uh, what we're doing for all of our beers is the so-called decoction mashing. With decoction mashing we have a two to three time mashing our beers which is takes more time which is more uh, energy intensive but also helps us to maintain the same taste and quality profile not just over the same year over 10 or 20 years. We can use maybe other technologies like the infusion meshing, but with that, we could not react on um, changing raw material parameters. That would maybe make us more efficient when it comes to energy and time, and maybe we could make more beer, and maybe we could, um, I don't know, uh, also earn more money because we, we are having more efficient uh, uh, energy consumption, whatever. But in the end, it would inflect on the taste of our beer and also on the stability of our quality. Mm -hmm. And as a state-owned brewery, and also as the Wine Stefan Brewery, as the world's oldest brewery in the world, um, we have to maintain also a, 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 a reputation. Mm. We stand for something. We stand for the beers of Bavaria because we're state-owned and we're Bavarian state breweries. So we are kind of a, some kind of flagship for Bavaria for that state in the world for that part of the world that is most famous for beer you know uh, when it comes to germany or especially to bavaria everyone says beer and then maybe the what was this this paul uh, marcus one day so the three most important uh, or most known things about germany beer angela merkel and uh, mercedes-benz or bmw or something like that you know <laughs> so we are we football, beer is football big, i think our football soccer. yeah fc bayern yeah soccer yeah. fc bayern you know we are bigger than angela merkel and mercedes-benz and fc bayern together 
And this is something very, very important as a brewer. You know, we have to keep that reputation high of not just good Bavarian beer, but also of the world's oldest brewery. We stand for classic Bavarian beer stars in the highest possible quality. And that means that sometimes we go the extra mile or take the longer mashing process or take the longer fermentation or that all our beers, lager beers, are matured for at least 30 days at zero degrees Celsius, hmm. period. Of course, in summer, when there is a demand of the national and international market, hey, we need more Hellas, we need more Pilsner, come on. Of course, we could shorten after two weeks of maturation and say, yeah, okay, nobody will get it. Uh, let's fill the hmm. beer and send it out. You can't do that when money is the most interesting thing for you. But this is something that don't happens in our brewery, which I was not expecting. And when I started working here, this was like one of the most things that made me as a brewer proud that the brewmaster said, no, that's the thing. We are Van Stefan. Mm. Under 30 days, no lager beer gets out there. And Tobias, our brewmaster, once said it very well. There's a reason why a lager beer is called lager beer. You need to lager it. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, yeah, and that's the wonderful thing what we are standing for. And that's the philosophy, Warren, behind how to maintain the quality, not just over the same year, but over many years, over decades. And Marcus, I guess uh, you're now selling Wein Stefan beer for 22 years. Um, I guess um, job done so far, right? <laughs> it, it does say a lot. <laughs> the, the fact that 22 years you've had that growth but you've had the same quality mindset is, is quite, I think that's quite remarkable. I think it's, that's really, yeah, I think that's quite brilliant. Um, I'm going to draw it to a personal note, Matthias, you, you, with, in terms of the Volkfest, um, and I have butchered that, that word. Thanks. Um, if, so, so are there, are there characters that, that you, that you miss? Are there characters you want to see again? The, the normally at the, the festivals that, that you, you're, Died mean yeah can you can you give us a couple of examples of people that that you're you'd really love to catch up again when this when this goes back a little bit more normal um actually this is this is something um i guess this is for you know i don't know if you have something in australia but i, I i'm pretty sure you have like a, a a state or county fair you know of the region where you're living or in the town mm -hmm. where you're living you're having like this one weekend of festival or whatever important you know, party to the founding date of the city or whatever. And um, this is something also here in Bavaria and also where I come from in Austria, this is something very special. In Austria, it's not called Volksfest. In Austria, it's called uh, Kirchtag or Kirchwey. And, um, and this is something where, you know, people come back. It doesn't matter where they are, but people come back to the town because, you know, visiting family and friends and also go to that festival. And this is what also makes the Volksfest in Freising so special here. I'm, I'm not a Freising origin. I moved here 17 years ago to study here at the university. And, but I'm still you know, feeling a little bit like I'm part of that city. And a lot of guys who studied with me also come back to the Volksfest season when it's Freising Volksfest. You know, they are now working maybe in North Germany or even abroad, but they take the chance to come back once a year to their, their, their former university, to their alma mater, and uh, to, to, to use that the Volksfest season and to go to Volksfest. And seriously, you can go to Volksfest and you see their people out of the town. You don't see the whole year. You know, they are just <laughs> living like 10 blocks away, but you don't yeah. see them the whole year. But at Volksfest, you're pretty sure he is there every of the 10 days. And uh, this is something very cool. And um, so, yeah, I haven't seen guys here in Freising because there were no Volksfest for two years. <laughs> so I haven't seen them for two years. Yep. 
Um, but I'm uh, pretty looking forward to do and see them next year. <laughs> terrific. That, terrific. That does sound very familiar. It's uh, yeah. definitely familiar tones out here in Australia as well. Travis, um, you, you know, reckon, for, you for, for us, for, for me especially, oh, yeah. I'm missing, I'm uh, so desperate uh, about uh, getting back to the Oktoberfest and Festbier time that I'm even missing the... The Italian lads, which are coming to Germany for Oktoberfest, who were harassing our our German girls, but I, I'm missing even them. That's the most. That's the most like European caricature stereotypical thing I've I've I think I've ever like a bunch of Italian every stereotype has a, has a American real bloke who lost a worker under one of the under one of their machines for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's very, very, you know, even sometimes that annoys you, you know, at the second weekend of Oktoberfest, all the Italians come to the Festa della Bira. Yeah? Yeah. And um, they're, 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 you know, crowds of them are Munich and, and uh, shit-faced AF. And uh, <laughs> so Italians are very good in drinking wine, but not very talented in drinking beer. Um, but um, it's now really, like Marcus said, it, a little bit, we miss it a little. Yeah. It, it, it's like something, you know. Um, and, and sometimes even I would, uh, in my younger days, when I was a little bit more uh, drinking resistant than I'm today, um, when we studied here and some brewing colleagues and me, we went to Oktoberfest from time to time and we loved to go there on the, on the Italian weekend, on the so-called Italian weekend, because it was so easy to get a table. It was super crowded, but when you go to, to, to one of the ladies or one of the, the waiters, and ask them, do you have a table? Well, there's a table full of Italians. Well, we are eight brewers. <laughs> and then he or she knows she can make money with us. So security, <laughs> Italians gone, brewers in. So this was actually pretty comfortable. It would have been hard to get an Australian table though. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, can't, yeah, I've been. You can't move us. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm almost I, I think done with the Fespia. Um, David, do we want to move straight into the HEF? Or do I, I we want we to do take. Because I'm conscious of how much time oh. we have and how generous yeah. the guys are. Yeah, that's being. very true. So, um, guys, we're, we're going to move into the HEF. Hopefully, everyone's got that into their glasses. Um, David, do you want to lead us on, on this one? Thank you. And look, again, a huge thank you to uh, both Matthias and Marcus for joining us tonight, for sharing so much time. And um, I've got to say that every time I just lift the lid uh, on this beer, take the cap off, I have memories flooding back. And we're going to talk a little bit about memories and places that people have drunk beer and uh, that just looks fantastic under the light. Do you have a special light there, Matthias? Can you tell us, how, how have you set up that room? Do you have a special light for when you're standing there just to show off the colour of that beer? A special light? Yeah, it looked, it looked fantastic. You must have a... Oh, no, it's, it's just the lighting here in our museum. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> that's why we choose this spot to, to, to present a beer. It, it looks wonderful and I've it got looks to say, like a glass of sunshine, didn't it? It really did. It really did. And I hopefully, uh, hopefully the sun is coming up in, uh, in Germany right now, as opposed to sitting over here in Australia. We often talk about yeasts and the Hefeweiss. Uh, I've got to tell us, take sort of a little bit of a tasting tour through this beer. It's a little bit of a change from what we've been dealing with with the previous two beers. 
tell us what's changed from the one we've had just before and what makes it special. Uh, well, actually, it's it's our um, yeah, it's our superstar. Fifty-five uh, percent of of the the volume production of the brewery is actually just a Hefeweiss beer. It's our number one style by far, and it's our flagship beer. Um, it is, um, it's a top fermented um, wheat beer. Um, in Bavaria, that means uh, at least 50% uh, of the wheat malt content or 50% of the malt uh, mix must be wheat malt and the rest can be uh, barley malt. It's top fermented with a special wheat beer yeast um, and it's um, also when it comes to top fermented beers, it's very warm fermented, about 20 degrees Celsius. Um, the specialty about wheat beers or Bavarian style wheat beers are a few parameters that make them very iconic. That's a higher carbonation than compared as a lager. So wheat beers are much more sparkling. That makes them very refreshing. And so they are very likely to drink, especially in the summer times. Um, then it's very fruity because of the top fermented yeast. Um, this beer uh, has a very high content of esters and acetates. And uh, so this makes the beer very fruity, especially on the recognition of the banana flavor where mm. a Bavarian style wheat beer can be very famous for. But also it has a little bit kind of spicy flavor, which uh, remembers uh, drinkers to cloves. Um, so uh, especially this can be a little bit more kind of a, a very intense cloves flavor, especially when you pour the beer down. So when you drink it, the aftertaste can be very intensely in cloves. And Bavaria knows wheat beers that are very much likely to banana or may much likely to cloves or kind of a mixture. Our wheat beer is definitely known for being uh, bananish, but also has this kind of cloves in the end, in the aftertaste. Um, this kind of taste you can uh, maintain in your brewing process over a few steps, but uh, the most, one of the most important factors for this is the yeast strain you're using and uh, how you're fermenting the beer. Uh, and when it comes, as I said, to, to and also very, uh, of course, iconic for Bavarian style wheat beers is the haziness. So a Bavarian style wheat beer is normally uh, hazy, so it means there still is yeast in it, but also proteins that make the beer uh, 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 hazy. So the mixture of proteins that come from the wheat malt and also the, the, hazy, uh, the, the, the yeast that's still in there makes this beer hazy. We are using, oh, I just forgot, I have a slide for you. <laughs> And I hope I don't have any mistakes in that slide right now. No, I don't have. These slides are rocking my world. This is the best. I agree. Thing this is a level of professionalism. I have. I've had so many people message me already. Come so, on. Uh, Marcus, another reason to give Matthias a pay rise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it arrived. Message arrived. <laughs> So thanks for that, David. Um, I will send you the case for mentioning that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Hefeweiss beer. So it's a golden yellow wheat beer, but has also some kind of a tangerine influence in the color. So it's not completely pale. It has this kind of slightly tangerine orange color influence. Um, it has this impression of banana and cloves, but also has this wide creamy body. So our wheat beer is also very well known for having this creaminess in the mouthfeel. 
So that means um, it has this great palate, very soft, smooth, especially when you're drinking down, it's this mixture of a higher carbonated beer with, with the creaminess of, of the haziness, but also the whole uh, body uh, and mouthfeel of the beer. We have 5.4% um, alcohol and using Munich and uh, Pilsner malt as well as wheat malt. We're using two types of hop varieties. That's the Hallertau Hercules and the Hallertau Perle. So uh, two hop varieties that are very classic. So the Hercules is a classic uh, bitterness hop, which gives this ground bitterness to the beer. And the Perle gives a very classic herbal flavor to the beer, but you barely recognize it in a wheat beer, but this is how it should be. You also see it at the IBUs. We only have 14 IBUs in that beer. And that means it's uh, uh, very low in, when it comes to the, to the hop content side. I would just show you something how important not just the Hefeweiss beer is for us in the brewery because it's of our main style. It also defines a little bit the quality aspect of our brewery and what we are standing for and the reputation we have, but also the pressure then we have sometimes when it comes to, to producing the beer because uh, we have that pressure of the high expectation and that the people relate on a high quality and our great and iconic wheat beer taste. And um, so I will go back to uh, this slide, ladies and gentlemen. No, this slide. Yes. Um, so it's great to, to win uh, medals, like Australian Beer Awards, we're winning medal for medal, especially for our Crystal, or also for our Hefeweiss Beer, uh, World Beer Awards, World Beer Cup, uh, Brussels Beer Challenge. So I guess um, every year we're winning uh, a number of medals, which is great for our brewers and great for our brewmasters and for us all, because when an expert is blind tasting our beer and says, well, when it comes to Hefeweiss Beer or another style, this is some kind of gold medalist or one of the world's best, when it comes to that style, this makes us proud and this keeps us motivated, like our CEO said in the corporate movie. But it, it's also a little bit a, a compliment when like just a few people say, well, this is very good because we are experts. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. But what really cool is and what really keeps us driven is that when people go to a site, site like Great Beer, Beer Advocate or Untapped, and when it comes to the style of German Bavarian Hefeweiss beer, and then they say, hey, this is one of the best, I will rate you and you get the highest votes from me. And this is what makes us proud and keeps us driven because we are brewing beer for the people, for, for the beer drinkers out there. We're not brewing beer for judges. Huh? If judges like our beers too, awesome. But we are brewing beer for those people who get out there and, and rate for us or not rate for us, just buy our beer and, and, and acknowledge it and do your own research on the different sites. But uh, when it comes to the different uh, things, uh, we are not just high rated, but also we have in the most of those sites, actually in all of them, we are uh, the most drunk and rated Hefeweiss beer. So on Rate Beer on Beer Advocate, and is, there is no beer more rated or no Hefeweiss beer more rated than ours. Also, our, our um, German competitors are doing great there, but we are slightly better, and this is how it should be, in our personal opinion. Can I ask, totally, you've spoken beautifully about some really important parameters there, but for you personally, do you remember the first time you had this beer? Is there? A uh, yeah, it was at the first you... day when I started here. <laughs> 
or is or is there a special does it evoke a particular memory or do you remember drinking with your friends perhaps one day this actually beer. when you study here brewing science and wine stuff on the whole campus and laboratories lecture halls are all around the brewery and so the beer is all present here and the first day when you study here as a freshman you come here and the older students pick you up for for a campus tour and show where everything is and then you go with them to today because there are now so many of them to a small beer tent um uh, when I started studying here, we went to a bar, uh, which was run by, by students. And there we got free beer, which was free Weinstefaner wheat beer, free Weinstefaner Hellas. We got uh, white sausages and Leberkäse and uh, pretzels. And uh, this was this the introduction from the older brewing students to the younger brewing students, like getting free beer and free food and have a great start here in Weinstefan. And uh, that's actually a pretty good memory. <laughs> a that's only pretty good because pretty good is in Australia. Pretty good is a pretty low rating. That sounds ah, okay. to me like a wonderful introduction. Yeah, it was an okay day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it keeps, it, it, it was actually pretty cool because, um, you know, when you're moving, you know, I was moving from Austria to, to Germany. You know, a lot of people are like the first time away from home, going to a new city, meeting completely strangers. But you all have in common that you came from all over Europe or from all over the world here to Weinstefan to study brewing because it's the best university for here. Um, it's the hometown of the oldest brewery in the world. So it has a high reputation in the whole industry. And so this we all had in common. And then the older students welcomed us with uh, free beer and free food and just sit down, have some beer, relax. We are all friends here. And this was like the best way to, to, to get away with your, I don't know, anxiety or whatever you have when you're like moving to a new place or meeting strangers like two 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 pints of beer later it was like super relaxed even professors come to to that event and and sat down and, and welcomed the freshmen and um this was actually uh yeah one of the greatest memories you can have and then the the the, the following years i was one of the older students who did tours here for for the young students who, who put the beer or whatever because um, when you get welcomed so so nice you will also want to do this for for the others um we've you've been very generous with your time and i want to sort of keep things moving along uh, believe me but the, the link to the university is so important. I want to learn a little bit more and introduce some of our friends uh, who are joining us for the first time um, to that real understanding of science that you guys have and new ideas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, I think that for people who are looking at a label that says brewery established in 1040, they might think, there's not been a new idea there for a long time. The opposite is true. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, um, this is actually one of our, our most important roles we have to fulfill as, as, a, as a role model enterprise for the Faculty for Brewing here at Technical University Munich in Bayern-Stefan. Um, we are official partner of, of, of teaching and science um, of the brewing faculty, of the brewing school here in Bayern-Stefan. And this can act in, in different phases um, or in different uh, things. Like we partnering together on different science projects where we try to implement new technology or new ways of brewing in our brewery or other way around that the university can, can try out some new things uh, here at the Weinstefan Brewery because we're industry scaled uh, brewery. Um, on the other side, uh, the university supports us in, you know, that we can put our samples there, raw materials, beer, whatever, and get them analyzed in the labs of the university, or having our weekly tasting with uh, the professors and the, 
the, um, the group of the sensorial analysis laboratory there. A very practical example is that I have done my bachelor thesis I wrote here in the brewery because um, I've do, done some analyzing in the bottling transport in our uh, filling plant and um, there I did some analysis and wrote my bachelor thesis about it. Um, other example is that our CEO of the, uni, uh, of the brewery, uh, Mr. Schriedler, or as I uh, always call Professor Schriedler, as he is a professor at the university, he is um, uh, holding the class for economics in the brewing industry. So every brewing student who wants to pass and graduate here in Weinstefan needs to pass his class. And uh, lucky me, um, he didn't ask uh, what I had in his course <laughs> when, when I <laughs> had interview for, for my job here at the university. So, um, lucky enough. Um, but those are so many, uh, you know, ways where, where we having a partnership and uh, collaboration together with the science or also teaching. And this also connects so many graduates from the Weinstefan Brewing School here to the, to the university. Because a few times in your study courses, you were in the brewery or you not just have drunk the beer, you were sitting in a beer garden. The, the CEO of the brewery was one of your professors. You have done courses or practical classes in the brewery. And so after your three to five years, what you're studying here, um, if you graduate as bachelor or as master, um, you have so tight connections to this brewery that at some point, this will always be some kind of your brewery when you studied here. And uh, last year I have done also in, in October uh, 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 online tasting for students uh, that started their study course here. Um, they came all over uh, Germany, all over Europe, and we handed out tasting packs of our beer. And um, I welcomed them with, um, it doesn't matter where you are from, or if you own a brewery, or if you want to become brewmaster in your hometown brewery, or where you came from, for this and for the next few years, and I guess forever, we are now your home brewery. Get used to it. <laughs> we are now in your heart and in your head. And um, this is uh, what, what makes this place so special. That must, I mean, that must have been fantastic from their point of view. I couldn't think uh, when I start, started studying in Melbourne, no one came to me and said, I'm your home brewery. Please have some beer. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's the cool thing about here, you know. If they like it or not, but we are now. Because they're living here. And, and I guess that speaks to the tradition and the way that the city and the brewery and the community come together. It's, it's a very special combination. It's very different. Absolutely. Um, I might just ask one more quick question and then we might of have course. our little break if that's okay. Um, we're all, you know, we've just said 10,040. It's not that far away. Uh, hopefully by then Australians will be allowed to travel overseas. Uh, can, we, can we talk a little bit about, we asked last year, every year we're going to ask the same question. What are the plans for the 1,000-year anniversary? And tell us how that's evolving. There must be some thoughts uh, already <laughs> happening over there. Uh, actually, to be honest, um, you can book tickets on, um, what, I, I'm looking for the email address of my boss. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, please, come on, Marcus. The mar marketing department, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, we get every, every week, we get emails from guys from all over the world asking those questions or where they can book tickets or whatever. But uh, no one else, no one uh, did made up his mind so far yet. Um, I guess uh, the, also the next, I guess, would say 10 years, nobody will, will 
I think about it um, because then uh, our actual uh, CEO, Mr. Schredler, will go to retirement and this job organizing that and planning that he will uh, give in the hands of his uh, follower on that position. So uh, no one is thinking here about that. We keep our us focused on brewing good beer. You sound like our football teams over here. We're not thinking about winning the premiership. We're just yeah. playing the next game. Yeah, we're planning for the next game. Nobody is talking about the championships yet. You know, when you're, when you're watching every weekend uh, soccer Bundesliga here in Germany, you get, you get so used to this, you know, save with many words, nothing. You know, like this, this you know, football trainer bullshit talking. You know, this is like having an oh. interview for 20 minutes and the... the the content of what he said is basically nothing. He said actually nothing. As a as a Liverpool fan, I've got to say that German uh, managers are my favourite managers in the world. Uh, some... <laughs> as, a, as a Chelsea fan, it's the same deal. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. As a, as a yeah. Melbourne fan, we just want a premiership. <laughs> now, I think that's a fantastic little place before we go down the rabbit hole uh, that we could go down. Why don't we have a little break here, my friends?